Everybody, this is Colin By. Hello. We are Fraternity Brothers, co-Davidson alumna. Yep. Yep. And now you're a beautiful actor living in New York City. Well, thank you. Yeah, trying. Trying to do the acting thing. I feel like I'm not particularly great in in any one thing in particular, so I'm I'm trying to decide how to focus my energies, uh, which is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about, of where do I want to actually invest the time and invest the energy to take something out of that, oh yeah, like this is something that I do and this is something that's fun to, this is something that I can perform and use as a, to, to move people and, right. and that also moves me and gives me that set level of satisfaction. To move people and to make a living. Yeah, that's, that's really, right? uh, that, I mean that's, that's hard. Yeah, that's, they are completely different and one and the same. And that's also kind of been part of my journey is, yeah, there's a lot of artistic things and, and, and I guess things that I want to do to give back in various different ways. Um, but at the same time, the reality is making a living is, is, is important. And, you know, I feel like money gets a lot of bad rep for how it is used uh, and the different ways in, in that it is used. But money itself, I'm learning, isn't bad. Right. It's, it's how money is used that is bad. And I can't use money for good for something that I judged that I judge to be good if I don't make any. And if you have, or if you have Susie Orman says the three biggest obstacles to wealth, internal obstacles to wealth, mm. are fear, shame, and anger. Mm. And if you associate money, if you hate money, it's not going to come to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, fear, shame, and anger to me, are just obstacles to wealth. They're obstacles to personal fulfillment. Well, right. Um, and, and I mean, if, if, if those... Very happy, though. Huh? Oh, I, I'm, so, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. But, I, but to be fair, that's something that I very carefully have cultivated because um, I, I genuinely believe that the more open you are and the more optimistic and where your mindset is kind of geared toward um, will will lead to that becoming a reality. Um, because, I mean, reality is just... We, we make it up as we go along. It is what we know, what the I know, what the, like the I in air quote, whatever that is. That's, that's reality, and it's different for each of us. But I, um, I was talking, actually, to, I, I had an exchange with um, one of our fraternity brothers, uh-huh. um, Sam, who was studying abroad in Kenya for a little bit. Sam Taylor? Uh, not Sam Taylor, okay. no, no. Uh, <laughs> I was going to uh, what trying, did you have with Sam yeah, Taylor? To, Shout out to Sam. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was studying in Kenya, and one thing that he wrote back to me was, it is amazing how attitude is viewed here. Because it really is, life is, not, you know, the idea that life is 90% how you perceive it, not what it actually is. I was like, well, that's very empowering right. uh, in a way um, and I and I kind of find that found that in practice when I was on a trip from from Austria where I was visiting my family family to LA and it was just disaster after disaster like the flight was delayed and then it was canceled and then I had to sleep over at the airport where I was having a layover and I had to find a hotel room and I'm staying in the hotel room and then I get to the flight and then it's delayed again and and finally, I'm in the plane, and, and things started to work out, but that his words kind of came back to me, and I was like, I could either think of this as a, oh my 
God, I can't fucking believe that I have to sit through hours and hours. I'm just trying to get from one place to the other. And, and, and resistance is exhausting sometimes. It's very taxing to actively resist what's happening. And sometimes, you know, we, I, I can't help it. It's just, you know, it's just the way it is. But, but mindfully shifting your mindset from this is horrible and annoying to, you know, I can't actually do anything about this. So I might as well try and make the best of it. Right. And maybe I can find a Wi-Fi hotspot and catch up on a show that I've been watching. Or maybe I'll call someone that I haven't heard from in a while. Uh, and, and just that shift, it was, like a, it was like a moment that I had. And it was after my flight finally was canceled. And I was just like, oh my god. I was just like, oh, okay. Well, let's, let's see where this journey takes me. And, um, and I found that, that, uh, that also kind of aligns with my meditation practice, mm-hmm. which I started a few years ago of just, you know, really trying to embrace the present and be intentional about, about where I put my energies, even if those energies are being put into resisting something mm-hmm. that you I can notice that that's what you're, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You meditate every day? Um, no. <laughs> I, I try to meditate as regularly as I can. Uh-huh. Um, and In the morning? Yeah, mornings are usually... Well, because I, I, like, I like to meditate in the mornings because it's a, it's a feeling. I get a feeling afterward right. or an awareness yes. that slowly diminishes right. as the day progresses. Right. And so if I do it at night... I mean, I sleep really well because um, my body is way more relaxed yeah. and I'm in that kind of nice mindset. But, but then, you know, I wake up and that's worn off and I have, to, I have to, you know, either meditate again or... I mean, it's never a feeling of having to do it. Yeah. It's, just, it's just something that's nice. I mean, I remember the first time I meditated, I found like one of those guided meditations somewhere. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> like a person's voice with like chirping birds, like yeah, something, notice something, something like passing that. by like a cloud. Yeah, well, it was actually it's don't judge. Point. How's your breath? That's it. That's don't it. Judge. It's the don't judge. What is that other? Oh, there's that thought. Yeah, let it let it float on by. Let it float on by through one ear and out the other. Welcome another. Don't resist the thought. Yes. Yeah. Um, Perhaps you're thinking, why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> this is. Stupid, and my ass hurts from sitting for ten minutes. Let that thought be. Wow. Yeah, it was. Um, it was actually a an audiobook that it was mm-hmm. from that my brother gave me, uh, called "The Joy of Living," which was written by a monk who is fascinated. Who is like this reincarnated teacher. Uh-huh. Self-identified of, reincarnated. No, like okay. the entire. Uh, I think it's Nepalese society. Yeah. Um, bequeathed him the title of Rinpoche, which is, mm-hmm. my understanding, is, is teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also extremely passionate about, about neuroscience. So it's this book that kind of takes this idea of something that has been done for thousands of years and then something that has only been really broached in the last hundred years of, of this new study of how we look at the brain and finding out the ways that those interconnect or maybe even the ways that people have been doing things for thousands of years that we are only just noticing through neuroscience. And so they had like one of those meditation things in there and I tried it and I literally finished it after, I don't know, 10 minutes and I opened my eyes 
I looked around the room, and I was like, oh my fucking god, I just discovered a superpower. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It was like, I feel so calm, I feel so open and aware, and in control, which was super nice, because I was going through a very difficult time in my life, um, and... And it was just the first time I'd really understood what peace is. Because we, we talk about we talk about peace all the time. And we talk about how we're... Usually it's going to happen later. Yeah. Yeah. Radically failing at peace is how we, is how we talk about it, mm. I find. And, and just, the, just the knowledge of this can exist inside of me always. Yeah. I just have to take, take however many minutes, right. some time... To, to focus on the thing that's keeping me alive, mm-hmm. which is the breath. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, there's, now that I've done it a little bit more, there are a million different anchors that you can I kind of always come back to, but the breath is one that we don't think about 99.9% of the time. But then when you do think about it, it's something that you can do that, that awareness without judgment of... And, and I find that awareness without judgment for the breath you can bring into all sorts of parts of your, of your life. Right. Um, it's really, yeah, it was, it, was, it was the coolest feeling. And then I was like, I'm going to do this every day and I'm going to get super into it. And then you get a streak going or whatever and, um, and then life takes over again. Right. Um, but the good thing is that you can always come back to it. Right. You cannot do it for years and years. You can have never done it in your entire life, and then you just start, and, and it's a muscle. And so you start in, like, little increments and then slowly build it up. Right. Um, but it, it also, it totally, it, it totally changed my spiritual beliefs as well. Um, Were you raised a certain religion? Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was <laughs> a little... Specific one? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. It Are was, you still... With it? Uh, no. Okay. Um, Are your parents? I, well, yeah. So okay, my, so there's a... Uh, well, yeah. Disconnect there. My, my mom was raised Catholic. Uh-huh. She's, from Aust- she's from this tiny village in Austria. I was raised Catholic. Seyfeld and Tuchel. Yeah, Austria's predominantly Catholic. Mm-hmm. And then my dad um, was raised Presbyterian. Fun. Yeah. And, and Presbyterian is like Christian light. Yeah. It's... Not no shape. That sounds mean to Presbyterian. No, no, but no, it's like I mean, Christian but nice. Yeah. All the mean, the, it feels like they took out a lot of the mean stuff. Yeah, the, the oppressive stuff. Yeah, that's like, you like, need to do it this yeah, way. I think you're still order. not allowed to be gay, but I think it's like they're nicer to you yeah. about it. They're yeah. like, it's best if you don't, but you know what? Don't <laughs> make mistakes. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Those well, Catholics that's, are more like, to hell. Yeah. I mean, that's... Well, that's... Well, that's when, when they finally had kids, my parents, they were like, well, what do we do with them? Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, and so they were like, fuck it. We'll make them Episcopalian. Because that's kind of... That's like, that's really, I mean, my, my, so we went to an Episcopalian church and that, I mean, Episcopalian church was the first Christian church to have a gay priest, um, first church to have, and I really hope I'm not just spouting this out of my ass. It's okay. This isn't fact based. Great. Great. Um, (laughs) uh, the first church to have a, a, a woman as a priest. Um, so they're kind of like really the the liberal trendsetters in the, within the Christian. They're the Bernie Sanders of the Christianity. Yeah, <laughs> in a in a in a way in a way. And so, yeah, and so that's what I was raised. So I went to like Bible school when I was younger. I was baptized, um, and and then we moved around a lot. And as a result of moving around, we kind of would lose touch with each 
community of a church that we had kind of become a part of. I mean, it was every, we would move every like three to five years. Um, so it was just enough time to like get your foot in and start to meet people and have this community. And then it's like, all right, see ya. And, um, and then we were living in London and that's where I went to high school. And in London, there was a church um, that my mom, yeah, and I, and I really liked it as well. And, and, and we were there for a few years and, and it was about that age where people usually get confirmed. Mm. Uh, and I feel like I was confirmed young. I was yeah. confirmed in like elementary school. Well, it's I mean, like that, you were high school. The idea of like being or Episcopalian, it's more like you need to decide. Yeah, I, well, that's that's the thing. It's like See, the Catholics get you before you decide anything. Like you're out of the womb yeah. and you're like squat. And yeah, then you're I mean, baptized. the Catholics. Like, okay, you're in school. Great, you're time to this, 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 and this. Okay, you're confirmed. Yeah. Well, they they created a whole. I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, but they they were like, well, what do we do with babies that die before they're baptized? Yeah, <laughs> because they're going to go to hell. Right, right, right. And like so babies do this, can't like, go to ASAP. hell because yeah. you know some, there are some mothers out there who would kind of be a little pissed about that. So so you know we'll make up this. No, we're not going to make it up. God has created yes, this right. this realm of 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 you know of limbo where you're in between uh-huh. these two, and that's what limbo was originally created for for the pre-baptized yeah baby. for babies who die before they're baptized they're kind of just they're kind of they're in limbo so they're no Forever? yeah they're not in hell oh jeez they're not in hell they're uh-huh. and, and they're not in heaven sorry about it because you know they weren't baptized so the rule god definitely but but they're in this in this in between world um but but i will say there is as much as there were parts of religions um I mean, really, the religions that I grew up with. Because when, when we're in Austria, we go to Catholic church. Mm-hmm. We have this, like, 700-year-old Catholic church in the center of our village. Beautiful. That has an amazing story behind it as well. But boring services. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but they're short. They're short. So that's, that's an the... An hour? Saving, no, 45 minutes. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. That's the saving grace. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but, um, but I got to that point of confirmation where it was like, okay, now you, now you get to pick. You choose like Christianity. I, I was like if, six, 15. 15 or 16. Okay. And I was like, um, okay, like I, I'm, I'm going to do it. Like I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose it. And, and I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but I was definitely expecting something. Because you go to like these two or three classes before you actually are confirmed. And I mean, we went to a pretty, I mean, it was Episcopalian, like Anglican. And so it's a little loosey-goosey in some ways as well, not as structured and enforced um, rituals I found but but you go to a couple of classes and you learn some things that you have to say and 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 then you have a ceremony and the ceremony is during a service so like the whole community is there and I remember doing the ceremony and they brought people up and 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 I mean some people were having an experience I mean shaking and like it, you went to a shaky church? Yeah, I did. It was. It, is, it, Episcop- is that what Episcopalians? No, are? no. I think it no. was. It was, it was <laughs> it's just, just adopted. The yeah. <laughs> I mean the, that. Because isn't it Baptist churches or other churches where you like catch the spirit? Yeah, yeah. Those are the churches I didn't want to go to. Those. I mean, it to me, it's just it was scary. Like it, it's <laughs> it literally. I, it frightened me to see people so moved by something that I could not. Do you think it was feel. God, or do you think it was their crazy anxiety about what the fuck this whole thing is, and her, their body were was retaliating? So I have a lot. For example, I think it's the second one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts on this because because every once in a while I'll meet someone 
and they radiate like goodness. Yes. Like they they look you in the eyes and they listen with this intensity that makes you just want to like breathe in and like yes. give yourself over and you're just like holy shit this person seems so present mm-hmm. and they're so kind. They're like the, the kindness, kindest yeah, right. most wonderful people and and anytime I meet one of these people I um because, I mean, it's very specific. It is a specific vibe. Well, well, it's... I, I always learn that they are a part of some extremely intense religious community, whether that yeah. is um, the Church of Mormon, uh, Latter-day Saints, whether that is born-again Christians, whether that's a Jehovah's Witness. Yes. Um, and, and I... And... and, and and it's, while I, it sort of feels like an asterisk a little bit. Well, it's it's just like, well, what what is it that 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 brings these people together? That like, what, how all of these different religions? Mm-hmm. Well, where does that that whatever that is that intensity? What, where, yeah, that, what like is total that? devotion? Yes, and where does the total devotion come from? Because I've not been in one church that I'm like, I'm ready to give everything. <laughs> yeah, to I've been, I haven't been in one single space in my life where I'm like. Oh, this is take everything. me, take yeah, me. take me. I'm like, no, I'm good. Shake me. Yeah, no, no. It's but it's so my except like a club, like when I'm yeah, well, drinking and dancing. Well, that's a that's a that kind of ties into what I think. What I think is is what brings them all together. My theory is when you, without a doubt, without a, a shred of 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 doubt, believe that you are loved, mm. no matter what you have done in the past. Or, like, unconditionally loved by God or by something. But the reality is people can only imagine such unbelievable, unconditional love from a spiritual being that knows all and, and sees all. Um, and when you feel that and you have that security, it, it, it is... Like, that's where that energy comes from, yeah. of like, I am loved, and I know it, and there's nothing I can say, there's nothing you can say, there's nothing you can do, or that I can do, that will break that love. But, but, if I want that love to carry me to heaven, then I have to do this, 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 right. this, this. And be here every Sunday, yeah. and sing this song, or yeah. do this thing. Well, that, well, that was, I had an experience on a bus from D.C. to New York. So it's a four-hour-long bus. So, like a, like a bull bus type thing? Yeah. A mega yeah. bus thing? Uh-huh. Those, I was just thinking this as I was brushing my teeth this morning. I'm like, I've had a pretty good year. Like, I've been doing pretty well recently. And I'm like, what is it? And I'm like, you know what? I haven't been on a bus <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. And it has freed me mm. and given me so much peace and solace. And Because they always do it wrong. Things always go wrong. It's always bad. Yeah. And I thought to myself, anybody who... Any executive who makes money off of bus companies yeah. um, should give it all back because they're treating people like cows yeah. and it's a horrible, horrible industry. And you, and you know those executives would never in a million years get on a bus. They, they don't know where the bus stops are. Oh, yeah. They probably, the mega bus guy, you probably have to tell him the stop is outside. Yeah. He's like, outdoors? I'm sure he doesn't know. I'm sure he doesn't know. Yeah. If you go far up enough, like the guy at the very, very, whatever the top the, of the megabus the, pyramid the, the is. The peak of the pyramid. Who also probably yeah. owns Delta and whatever. Oh, yeah. So anyway, but buses are, it's a great way to be in the muck. Yeah. The waiting, uncertainty, mm-hmm. the smells, the badness. It's a lot of bad. Yeah. The onboard bathrooms. It's Right. Everything is bad. Like, you, you can commiserate with, with your fellow man. Right. 
in a if, way. If they if, aren't drunk and they don't throw up next to you. Or yeah, yeah. Or then you just commiserate while you're lonesome. And right. And then you have to really reckon with, like, this is where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I won't always be here, but yep. I'm here right yeah. now. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you that, that you you're here. I am too. Been... And I'm sure if I was healthy, I could go back there and not get really worked up. But yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to go back there. No. No, you gotta you gotta take care of yourself. And, That's what I'm saying. In whatever way that manifests, even right. if it's not boarding a bus and ever. Right. Yeah. So you were on one. So I was on one, and um, it's a four hour bus ride, and this guy sat next to me, and I immediately noticed he had this flare, whatever it is, and and every it's other religious s- flare. Yeah, this not like feathers jewelry. He had like it's 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 like a, a zealotry, like a yeah. like a, a a blind a blind faith. <laughs> That yes. that is air quotes empowering, and the reason yeah, I, so and, fragile too. Well, the reason I say that is because you know he's like, oh, can I sit down? I'm like, yeah. Do you want me to help you? He's like, oh yeah, God bless you, God bless you. Thank you oh, so much. Red flag. And, Immediate red flag. Well, here's the thing. This was coming from a guy who was my age, yeah. And I was I don't know, I was like eight, eight, I was like nineteen, twenty at the time, and I was like, oh, okay, so you know maybe an older generation. That's kind of a more common, you know, God bless you, thank you so much. God bless you is not a colloquialism. Well, not definitely not in New York, um, but I, yeah. I, I found it in the in the South and like. If it, I'm at parties and they say "God bless you," I'm into it. God but if, if but if I'm with a, another person in a public space, yeah, I don't need to be blessed. Yeah, I was like, how do how do you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I may have done things I should not be blessed right now. Yeah. Um, so, he's but, so he was saying that, and, you're like, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I, of course, I'm one to take the bait. So I'm like, so I'm like, well, you're curious about people. You're I, like, I plagued, you're plagued by curiosity. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind you're of. You're down it. to talk. You're down to like. Oh, oh, oh. That's that's. I, I find it as like the actor's job in a way, mm-hmm. is you have to be curious about people because that's that's uh-huh. your work. Your work is people. Right. You're not learning formulas or or trying to memorize large things of information. You your your work is as you live to observe the world. You have to study the human experience. And observe your own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's why I do a lot of work with the Stella Adler Studio. And one of the reasons I started that was just because they have this motto that's growth as a human actor, or growth as, a synony- growth as an actor is synonymous with growth as a human being. Yes. And that really... It's like child actors who watch it. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. you're launched and yeah. Anyways. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so I took the bait and I was like, do you believe in God? No, 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 I didn't ask it like that. I was like, oh, do you have a spiritual, I, I can't remember how you I said s- it. But you said something, I was you just, poked the bear. I very directly was like, so what's up with your God bless you? Like, why do you say that? <laughs> and, God. and it launched into a, did the bus, the bus wasn't even moving yet. No, it wasn't. Oh my it God. It just about, it just started after Nightmare. this. Yeah. It was, um. And it, and it launched us into a conversation for about three out of the four hours, and then say, and then for the fi- and then for the final hour, I was just like, okay, I don't really want to talk to you anymore. Right. Um, but super kind, and uh, and what and you know, he told me the story of how you know I think it was sophomore or junior year in high school, he was doing drugs and which to him was like pot and alcohol, and you know his life was really like in a bad place. And then his friend invited him to this conference, and it was like a three-day conference, and he was like, you know, I just felt a calling to go to this conference. And I was like, great, that's amazing. And he, he talks about this conference, and on the first day of the conference, somebody came up to him and was like, you belong here. 
I want you to know that like like I'm this is this is for this is for you this idea of like oh you're gonna you're gonna get into this I know you you are you've been called to a higher purpose or whatever that is and uh, and by the end of the conference I mean he was born again and and I mean for by the way for that final hour that we were in the bus he I can't remember what format he was he was muttering Bible verses to himself and I can't remember, he was write, either writing them or circling them in a book I can't really remember recall but it was a it was a I mean it was devout it was devout and it was and and so here's the scariest thing about that though is he's talking about his experience and there were two points that scared me one was I like I started to really feel it. I mean, the way that he was talking about his faith and his beliefs was inspiring. Like, it was moving me, and, and that was scary as shit. I was like, fuck, I don't want to, like, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that, like, this is something that I believe in or whatever it was, but just the, just, it was so impassioned that I was, like, breathing with him and, and, and finding myself following along and being like, yeah, yeah, wow, okay, I totally see that. And then the second thing that scared me was he was describing what he was like before this conference. And he's like, yeah, and, you know, I used to like men, and now I've, I've been awakened that Jesus is the only man that I need. Oh, my God. My life. <laughs> and I, and I, and that was my moment where I was like. You lost me. Oh, that's, that's right. You're not allowed to love who you want to love. Or have sex with who or you want to have sex with. Goddamn right. And, and, and so, you know, you're selling this idea of complete and utter love, but at the same time, that love is dependent on you rejecting part of who you are. And, that was, and, that's, and that's always the cognitive dissonance with these things, of, of, of all of these religions where, you know, you feel this unconditional love is, what is the cost of that love? Right. And I mean, if you're... It's not free. No, no. There's, I mean, there's always a cost of, of, of love. I mean, that's, that's the beauty and the pain of it. You know, love isn't... Well, it involves sacrifice. Yeah. Love does involve sacrifice. And yeah. love isn't action. It's not just a feeling. Yeah. But the, I always think of religion as being the roadmap. And some people need, people like Google Maps, people like Apple Maps, people like MapQuest, some people <laughs> like whatever. It's like GPS. Like, there's all these different maps they're all going to one place or like because you want to go somewhere so you're using a map so you don't want to you don't like where you are you want to go someplace you need a map yeah there are all these maps available to you once you start getting if you become like a topographer and you have to know how high the highway is going to increase in Mm -hmm. altitude Mm -hmm. and then when it goes down and how you need to have your blinker on before you do da 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 you get lost in where you want to go yeah or what it was that made you go on this journey in all these stupid fucking details, like I can't sleep with men anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I so desperately want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I was listening to another podcast actually, uh, and it was an interview with this poet named David White, who's from Ireland, and uh, and he said something that really changed the way that I look at love. And he's he talks about love as being in conversation with love, mm. um, and. And I mean, I, I grew up speaking English and German, and I learned Spanish kind of on the road, and I just moved around a lot, lived in Singapore for 
some time, started learning Mandarin there. So like languages have been a big part of my life. And, and thinking of love as a language, I mean, there is a language of love. You know, I love you. I, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if we should do this. I don't know how I feel about you. And yeah, you know, whatever, however we talk about it. But then thinking of love itself as a language as something that you can become more fluent in the more that you speak it. And then the more fluent you are, the, the better... <laughs> What's that? What's that? Oh, I'm tearing up. This is scary. Oh, well, it's... I mean, it's... Like, that's... If I, if I see people who are just radiating love, like the ones that we're talking about, it, it makes me curious. Because, like, I want to know, can I find that too without sacrificing part of who I am? And what does that like look they like? Have. Like, like, I mean, like, I imagine they Like have. that guy in the bus did. Yeah, like that guy in the bus did. Um, and, and so I was like, well, what if love is a language? And when you, when I, when I was in high school, I had a girlfriend, and I loved her with everything that I had. Right. As a high school student. Yes. Having a first person that he really loved. Yes. But when I compare that to my ability to tell someone and make someone feel my love now it's I mean that I mean really that's what I have to say is I loved that person as much as I could love them where I was and with my grasp of that language and by by throwing yourself into relationships and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and and learning and listening and cultivating that language a, it's fucking hard. It's very hard. It's so hard, and it's so scary, and it leads to so much pain. Yes. Not just for you, but for the people that you want to love. At least this is my experience. And then, but then you get to a point where, where the conversation flows more effortlessly. And, and you realize that you can create more beautiful worlds with this language and you can describe brighter colors and deeper experiences um, that before the language that you had you didn't realize that it was kind of surface level that it wasn't really reaching into the person that you want to kind of give yourself to um, and so and so that's that's kind of an idea that I'm, that I'm exploring this idea of I like Whatever I do, my whatever like my underlying purpose that I like the one thing that I want to figure out is I want to become as fluent in love as I can possibly be. I want to learn new words. I want to take new risks. I want to figure what that is because if I can use that language, and I can show people that language, and th and this isn't necessarily confined to like romantic partners. But to the world, to people who, you know, there's so many different kinds of love, whether that's love in brotherhood, whether that's love to someone who just fell down on the street and you want to see if they're okay, whether that's love to your parents or whether that's the love of loss, of how do I deal with this, this space that love has created in my heart and then the person or thing or whatever it is that filled that space is now gone 
and, and I feel like I'm falling. I'm falling where that space was. It's that, like, falling out of love is a very real thing I've found. Um, but you but you have to hit the bottom before you can spring back up again. You have to find some firm footing, and, and, that, and that's time. That's where time comes in, because you might be falling for a long-ass time before you, can, before you touch the bottom, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be okay. Let's take a step, another step. Or maybe, maybe I'll just stand here for a second before I move anywhere. Um, yeah, love. Love is such a big part of of, of why I do what I do. Um, I uh, I was telling you this earlier, but I but I did this month long Shakespeare intensive with uh, with Shakespeare and Company in Lenox, Massachusetts, and um, and one of the teachers said something to me, well, really to all of us, and it was an actor's job is to stand in the place of fight or flight and to reveal. And it's so, it takes so much courage to do that because your instincts, everything, every hair on your body before you go on stage is saying either get the fuck out of here or, or get your claws out. Like, right. And, and to, to stand and to breathe and to exist without running away or running toward, but just to be there and to show a large group of strangers what that feeling is and why you feel that way. I mean, that, that, is, that is a direct conduit of love. Like that is, that is love passing from one person to hundreds because we, I mean, we talked about sound at the very beginning, and, and sound, sound is literally the air vibrating. I'm creating a vibration, and it's reaching your ears, and it's reaching your ears. And when somebody is at that place of revealing, and they're having those vibrations, and you're letting those vibrations come into you, you are literally being moved by that. It is moving you in very small, subtle ways. And if you're receptive to that, it can change your world. It can change who you are. It can change the way you think about things. It can change the way you think about yourself. And that, and that is so, that's the closest thing I have found to magic in this world. And it is, and it is the reason that, that I'm doing what I'm doing. Because I have yet to find another medium through which that level of connection, that level of creating and cultivating this garden of, of, with the fruits of love, you know, that, that's the closest that I've found to it. And, and, and something that I think about all the time is, is how, do I, how do I get better at that? How do I move people with, with who I am without sacrificing? anything that makes up part of that. Mm. And I mean, that, that, that does come with sacrifices. You know, I'm, I am scared all the time because I don't know what the fuck I will be doing in two months. I don't, I don't have a, a ladder that I can climb. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, 
it's kind of just throwing yourself out into the abyss and and then stopping and listening if anything comes back, if maybe an echo comes back. And then when nothing comes back, you're doing it again. And it's just, it, it, it can be exhausting, but at the core is that, is that respect for what love can be. Um, Do you get the negative self-talk of, oh, I shouldn't have done that, oh, I'm so stupid, oh, why did I think I could have got that? Well, that's, that's where meditation... Do I think I am? Yeah, I mean, that, well, that's where meditation comes in for me. I mean, the answer is yes. Like, I do. That's, that's a big reason I did this intensive, because I had not worked professionally in just about a year. And, you know, I'm doing, I'm working tables, I'm working, monitoring casting calls, in digital billing internships. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to f develop skills. But when you don't have that thing, that that is at your core, when you don't, when, when no one is saying like, here, I want you to, to learn this person and then to be that person. And, and that's a challenge. And without that challenge, without something to really sink your teeth into, I started to ask myself, why, can, can, I, can I do this? I, I don't remember. I don't know if I can. I don't know if it's something that goes away after a while. And, uh, and I found that with this intensive that I did, it's like riding a bike. You know, maybe the first few pedals are a little unsteady and you waver and then you're speeding off. And, and I mean, that's kind of where I'm at right now is I'm, I'm throwing myself back into the abyss again and again and again with, with, an, with a furor and intensity that I, that I had not had before. Because not only do I believe in myself with a new vigor, but I also believe in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that what I'm doing can change the world. Um, because, I mean, the world is so big. It is so, it's hard to grasp that right now, as this conversation is happening, as we are listening to each other, everything else is existing. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on all over the fucking planet. And as people are listening to this, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Even if there's nothing, there's a lot. There's, I mean, outside this room, the whole world is happening. Right. Um, and, and, and if I can change, not that world, but the world that is inside of me, mm -hmm. then I can, then I can, then I can change that yes. world. Yes. You know? That's what I was going to say. When people talk about changing the world, it, it's always a red flag for me because I think, how about you change yourself yeah. first? Like try changing the tape that you have in your head about what you think about yourself yeah. like don't try to save it's like being skeptical of the guy the shirtless man offering you his shirt there's some saying yeah. <laughs> I'm like if you want to change everyone else or like change the way the world works yeah. like try changing the way that you work yeah well that's but I it mean, sounds like you get that in a deep way of like it starts right in here well the I did a I had the chance to work with some amazing students at a Penumbra Theater Company, which is in Minneapolis. And at the end of the program, they gave us a manila envelope. And the envelope was a quote from Marianne Williamson. 
And one line so of this. Oh. A Course in Miracles. Read it. It's, 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 um, I mean, that, that's the language. That is, that is a huge part of the language. Um, and, and one of the lines of this quote, just one of the lines, is when you liberate yourself, you subconsciously give others permission to do the same. And I, I mean, it resonated with me, but it took a couple of years before I realized why. Because, you know, even in my past relationships, one of the problems that I encountered was I was always trying to help and fix. Mm. Like, I'm like, you know, give me a problem. I will think it through. We'll think about, here, let's try this, this, and this. Here are our options. You're like if Marie we... Kondo when she's in a new house. She goes, I love mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love mess. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's the challenge, right? And if you find validation in fixing things, then that's important to you. Right. But it can be really hurtful to feel broken or to make other people feel broken and to not create space to feel. Mm-hmm. And I don't I, need you to fix this. I just want you to listen. Oh my God. The amount of times you don't need to, I don't want you I've to fix that. this. Yeah. It's true. But it's real. It's so real. Um, because if you find, if you notice, people usually don't say, I want you to help me not feel this way. Yeah. People rarely ask, like, I need you to tell me what to do in this situation. Yeah. They're usually just like, listen to what happened. Yeah. And I feel this way. Yeah. And then you can either listen to it or pull a call in and be like, well, why don't you just say this? Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Why don't we do this? Okay, we can do that. Yeah. But I was just finding over and over again that that was not giving... That was not that was not solving anything. Mm-hmm. Was that? And actually, wasn't generous. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, yeah. Uh, it right? was. Or do you no, it was. I, I I do I do. Yeah. It's kind of a, and that's what I mean. It's like when your validation comes from fixing things, from pro- being a problem solver, mm-hmm. and and you and you're not able to to fix something or someone, then. And and you keep trying. Well, that's because it's 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 selfish. You you want to right. you want to feel that validation when that's not what that right. person needs. This is a big men men thing. A big. This is a big man big thing. Man thing. Girl, gay gay men. It's a different. Uh, I think it's a straight man thing. Not that there are two types of men, but I mean I've encountered it less with tendencies. Yeah, but yeah. straight men who are in relationships with women mm-hmm. love to fix and don't love to feel. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's because. I mean, it's because of a lot of reasons, right. but one of the reasons is, is, is every time someone says, be a man, to me, I hear, be in control, be strong, and be a problem solver. And, and emotionless. And, and, fix, and fix the things that are causing you to not be a man, which in this <laughs> case is, I feel sad. I feel I'm I'm hurt I'm hurting right now, right. and 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 that's weak. That's 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 what that's what you learn as a as a man. I've, right. Is 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 that's weak. Right. And 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 as a man, like you've got to be strong. You've got to be a leader. You've got to you've got to help help the family. Be be a leader in your communities. And and right. and yeah, like it's important to be a leader. But at the same time, if 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 you are a leader by obligation then everybody else is a follower by obligation too. Mm. And that and that's where another problem comes in. And that's and that's 
the selfishness. And, that, and that's why I kind of developed this own philosophy. Before I engage or whenever a problem arises, the question I ask myself is, am I empowering or am I disempowering? Because telling someone to do something is disempowering. It is. As, as, as helpful as you want to be, if you say to someone, you should do it this way, or do it this, do this, and, and, and there are so many alternatives, or you can invite someone to do something, or maybe try this. I mean, and that's, that's where language comes into play, mm-hmm. is it's all about the language and how you use the language. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if somebody is talking to you in that lull, in that pause, instead of trying to say, well, what about this? Why don't you just allow them to just be and, and take them for who they are in that moment, as ugly as they may feel. And I mean, and the same goes for when you are that way. And, and, and this is something that, that I feel really strongly about because I, I, I didn't grow up with a language of, of being hurt. When I was feeling something, I just felt like a cauldron that somebody had poured a bunch of different shit into, and then the last thing caused it all to like bubble up and and spill over. And I didn't know, I couldn't label anything that was in the cauldron. I was just like, I feel like this thing, and and that bubbling up usually comes out in the form of anger, because that's because that's that's allowed for men. Is right. you're allowed to be angry right. when you're hurt. Um, and, 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 you know, after a lot of trial and error and after a lot of pain for both myself and the people that I've been, that I've loved, um, I found that I can ask for things. If I'm feeling that, I can ask for space. I, don't, I can say, I don't know how I'm feeling. So I'm going to try and figure it out. But I, but I need to do that. Or maybe... But can I just talk to you about something? I feel like the and just you know just trying to describe it. You find, you find that it starts to, the heat is turned down a little bit, mm-hmm. and it starts to simmer, and the overflowing starts to stop, mm-hmm. and it's still all there inside of you. Um, it's, it's it's a whole language, it's a whole. I mean. Like I said with David White, he talks about relationships as conversations. Um, and you have a relationship with yourself that is a conversation with yourself. And part of that conversation is listening, even to yourself, of just being with yourself. And, and, and bringing it back to meditation the first impulse is always, this is good, or this is bad, right. this feels bad, right. or exactly. oh my god, this feels great, this feels yes. amazing. Yes. Um, yes. But, but, but... This is good, this is bad. But nothing, but good and bad aren't, aren't qualities. <laughs> they're not... Well, they're judgments. Exactly. Yes. Nothing is that, this table is, this is a good table. It's like, well, well, what's good about it? Why, why do you say that it's a good table? Uh-huh. It's not because there's not like a halo floating over it and it's going right. to, you know. And, 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 once you, and, it start, and once you have that awareness of 
okay, well, nothing is good or bad. And every time I hear good or bad or great or horrible in my head, that's me judging it. Then it's like, well, what is it? Well, what? It leads to that question of, okay, well, why? Yeah. Why is it good or bad? And once you start to ask that question, that's when you start to figure out what's in that cultron. Mm. What, the, what, the, what, what has been poured in? Oh, well, I feel that way because you grabbed my wrist in, in a weird way. And, and, it, and, it made me f- and it made me feel. It, 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 like put a little, it just poured a little into that cauldron. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it at the time because it was such a small thing and because I wasn't aware of it. But, like, but then you're able to communicate. Hey, like, please don't touch me that way. Or, or right. I mean, I, I, found, and I found that I would, when I was frustrated, I would snap. I would snap at people. Yes. And, and I'm like, I would always try and be super nice and super polite and considerate. And then something would happen and I would just be like, I, I, would, I would just say something and with a tone that was a little harder than it needed to be. And, and, I, and I, didn't even, I didn't even realize that that was something that I did. That was just how I processed yeah. my feelings. I'm super nice until I'm super mean. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then because I'm, I've been so fucking nice this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but but, it's it's chan- it's ch- how do you how do you channel that? It's very challenging. Yeah, it's because then, because where I'm at right now, is like okay I'm aware, and I'm trying to not judge all the feelings and just like feel them. But now how do I? How do I let it out? Mm-hmm. What's what's a way that I can let it out? That isn't going to hurt anybody. Right. You know? And acting, being another character, is a really healthy way of letting that stuff out. Yeah. You're like channeling that stuff in a safe environment that's really a laboratory for humans to look at ourselves and what are we doing and why are we doing it. I mean, that's that's art. Right. That's... Exactly. Yeah, it's... It's one of the many, many, many uses of art um, because I'm trying to, I think, I, I watched a video with Alan de Botton, who's an incredible philosopher, and he was talking about an interview, I can't remember the artist, but it was with a painter, and, um, and this is kind of like, quote, modern art, you know, where you look at it and you're just like, I don't know what the fuck this is, what? I was thinking of a white canvas with a red dot. Oh, yeah. It's a classic for a couple million dollars. Yeah. You know. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's like, oh. Um, but the, the way the guy described it is... I try to not learn too much about visual art because it's going to make me angry. I know it'll make me angry, so... I, or just, like, perplexed. Yeah. Perplexed is a good word. Maybe I should... It may be, yeah, it's perplexing. Visual art is perplexing to me. It, not in an interesting way. <laughs> in a frustrating way. Well, in a... Just so... It's so disconnected to me that mm. there's... That I, it feels like looking across a cliff... And I was going to be like, what do you think of that person across the cliff? And it's like, well, I can barely see her. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Like reaching for something that you don't even know is there. Yeah. And you're like, isn't she beautiful? And it's like, she's a speck to me. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, if you say so, I yeah. don't know. It's whatever. Yeah. Well, well that, I mean, that's what, that's kind of what he was, what this artist was saying was, I feel something inside of me. And I feel it so strongly that I need to put it onto a canvas. And that canvas becomes a space for that feeling. But it is a space not just for my feeling, but it's a space for that same feeling in people who see it. 
and like that's that's kind of one of the purposes of art is it creates a space for our emotions to exist together right. where we don't have to hold them in for ourselves mm-hmm. we can just let them be in this space and whatever those emotions are whether they're you know, sadness anger terror joy love loss grief you know whatever but it's it's that sharing and that act of sharing is so humanizing mm-hmm. and I am increasingly daunted by the dehumanization that happens mm-hmm. in this world mm-hmm. um and so as an artist, what I look for are how do I create a space for this to exist? Or what is it inside of me that needs a space to exist? Because I know that other people have that inside of them too. Um, and, and instead of being, you brought up earlier, like self-deprecative? De- de- yeah. self-deprecating yes um, I find myself instead of being like I'm not good enough it's okay I'm, I'm good enough but now how do I bring that good to everybody who needs it which is which is an immense task and it's a it's a burden and I and, and that manifests in me being too hard on myself that's my equivalent of being self-deprecating is I'm not doing enough I'm not thinking I'm not fixing this problem yeah I'm not fixing this problem Hmm. and uh, and that is something that I still deal with every day of 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 knowing what could be and I mean that's the beauty of art is is it it exercises that muscle of imagination right helps us imagine the world um I uh, I took a I took a clowning class last oh summer. God. It was, oh my God. and it changed my life. It was another one of those things. Well, I had two weeks of clowning, and then I had a third week of advanced clown. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and one of the exercises we did in clowning was we would come on stage, and we would stand in the middle of the stage, and we look at the audience, and backstage where we were coming from is the most beautiful thing in existence. The most beautiful thing. And we come on stage to tell the audience what that beautiful thing is. But the the exercise is that it is so beautiful, you literally can't get the words out. (laughs) And it is so hard. Oh my God. Because Because the moment you... You come in and you have like a clear vision of like, oh, this is uh-huh. like... I was, I was this, thinking of a man. Yeah, uh, this is this person. And oh, he is like the, the, mo- hottest, the hottest, most... Man with a job. In ex- it, with a job <laughs> and family values, yeah. and, you and know, listen. responsible, but like sexy and aggressive when he needs yes, to be. Yes, yes. Um, responsible and yeah. sexy and aggressive. But here, we're talking about him. Yeah, right. And so it's like so good to talk about. Yeah, so it's like, how do you come on and then... You can't come on, but here's the thing, you can't come on with a clear picture of what's back there. Because then you can describe it. So it's like, so you have to use your imagination to imagine something more beautiful that you can't describe. And it's like, well, how the fuck do you do that? And I, I remember for me, I, I like came out 
And I started to, I really started to describe it. And he's like, no, 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 no. The teacher was like, no, get back. You're describing it. It's like with your hands and your like. No, I was describing it with my words. I was like, it's like this, this bright. You started talking? Beauty- yeah, I started talking. Oh, but you're not allowed to talk. Well, that's the thing. But, okay. but you get so caught up in, in, oh, okay. and, and because in your desire to make it so beautiful that you can't talk about it, you inevitably start to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 go backstage. Go backstage. And now I want you to squint at it. Don't look clearly, just squint. And imagine it's in like watercolor, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not an ink and like pen and paper, you can't see it clearly. And then come back on stage. And, and I came back with this energy and I was squinting and I had it in my head, but it was, it was like, it was, it wasn't a thing, it was a feeling of, of just, of just beauty. And, and, and I would, and it would just get bigger and, and I, I got to a point and I just burst into tears. Yeah. I just burst into tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 that was, and that was the catharsis of, you know, it feels good to talk about it. It feels good to burst into tears at something yeah. that is so beautiful. Yeah. And, and the most beautiful thing to me was anybody can feel that way. Everybody has the tool of imagination to experience something like that. And not just... And, and, and when you're experiencing it, you're taking something that doesn't exist and you're bringing it into the real world because your, your body is feeling it and, and other people are watching you feel it and experience it. And so, and so if that can happen for me, that can happen for everyone. Every single person has the ability to, to be like that, to feel like that, to see a world where that can exist. And, that, and that's, that's hope. That's the hope. And that's why, despite the enormity of the world's grief, the work must go on and deserves to go on. Um, you know, there's, there's another quote. Uh, it's like, you don't have to complete that work, but neither are you free to abandon it. Stop there.